on this episode of Catholics in the Capital. My guests today are Monika Jablonska, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, Michael Wasabaugh, and Dan DeVazi. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Catholic Radio for your soul. Catholics in the Capital starts right now. Good afternoon, friends. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and thank you for joining us on Catholics in the Capital. We're coming to you from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Today, on Friday, April 13th, 2018, our show is brought to you from the generosity of the Mona Electric Group and the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Well, it's been so lovely here in Washington with the famous cherry blossoms in bloom, and it's only a few more days, so make sure you get down to Washington this weekend. This is how we start our spring here. People are out, the churches are full, and there's lots of activities yet to come. Spring weddings, communions, baptisms, and lots of Christian traditions. And also, we have a few Catholic colleges here, which will be having their graduations next month in this beautiful weather. Well, I'm excited to be here, for we have such an interesting show today, and I have some wonderful guests. But before we begin, I'd like to do a prayer to the Blessed Mother. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Virgin full of goodness, Mother of Mercy, I entrust to you my body and my soul, my thoughts, my actions, my life, and my death. O my Queen, help me and deliver me from all the snares of the devil. Obtain for me the grace of loving my Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, with a true and perfect love. And after him, O Mary, to to love you with all my heart and above all things. Amen. Beautiful way to start today. So, dear friends, you know who we have on the show today, Monica Jablonska, and we're going to do a great interview with her. She wrote a wonderful book called Wind from Heaven, John Paul II, the poet who became Pope. And not only is she an author, but an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a consultant, a business executive. She works on special projects with the United Nations and the Vatican officials. Next year, she's just doing a book tour all over the country. And she's going to bring us great insight to one of the most outstanding popes ever, Pope John Paul II. And she's going to tell us about President Reagan and their relationship, so you won't want to miss that. And then later we're going to have Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. You know Father is our weekly guest, and he brings us his saints and prayers each week. But he's going to tell us a little about his career and how he began his priesthood, and um, what is he uh, doing in his in with the cathedral now? But even more importantly, we're going to be learning about the history of how the cathedral of St. Matthew's the Apostle happened here in Washington, D.C. So it's going to be very interesting. And then we're going to hear from Dan about what's happening in Washington, D.C. and what are some of the special events this weekend. You won't want to miss that. And now joining me in the studio, I have Michael Wasabaugh, and we're going to talk about some Pope Francis news. How are you, Michael? How are you doing today? Is it hot enough for you? Uh, it couldn't have been any hotter. I'm getting over a little bit of a cold, so uh, the more heat, the better, I guess, is the, the angle I'm coming at it. But yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, you know, Pope Francis is in the news every day, and he's battling a lot of things because he's got the whole, all these Catholics around the world. What can you tell us that's happening? 
Well, first off, uh, Pope Francis kind of put him almost in the same vein as, as ourselves, you know, not perfect. Um, and nobody's perfect. And we sometimes, I think, can forget that even the Pope, despite him being, you know, the closest living being to God on this planet, uh, is imperfect as well. And, and thus he admitted to making a serious mistake in the Chile sex abuse case. Uh, and so what did he say? Th- what, well, what happened was, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, earlier in, in 2017, uh, there was a reported member of the, uh, the Morris Brothers congregation that had admitted to abusing 14 boys in Chile. And so they had done their own investigation. And now the Holy Father has brought back the bishops from Chile to Rome to address the issue, invited victims to meet with him, and then he referred to the investigation of abuse cover-up in Chile that was carried out by the Maltese Archbishop. Uh, Pope Francis said that after a slow reading of the report, he can, quote, affirm that all the testimonies collected speak in a stark manner without additives or sweeteners of many crucified lives, and I confess that this has caused me pain and shame, end quote. So he was basically uh, admitting to misjudging the affair. Yes. So it, it, just a really unfortunate situation, a really unfortunate circumstance. Uh, you know, it, you, you see what he's, uh, he said, slow reading of the report. Yeah. Um, but he's bringing it to the attention. He he's not sweeping it, it under no. the rug. No. So uh, other news um, people reporting can say that he didn't address it. Right. So, I mean, he, he is addressing it now. Uh it's a great opportunity. Uh, he also said that it's now a great uh, time to put the Church of Chile into a state of prayer, which, yes, absolutely. If You never want to see any of these situations come to no. light, and, and when they do, obviously— We have to put a stop to it. We have to put a stop to it. We need to pray for those affected. We need to pray for those uh, committing it. Uh, it and it just— like you said, it needs to be put to an end. And so hopefully now, uh, now that has been brought to light, it will make it very, very hard for these uh, these scandals to continue. Beautifully said. You know, let's go on a happier note. What is Pope Francis doing on something I think I read on baptism, correct? Yeah, well, uh, on April 11th in St. Peter's Square, as he does every week, he will address the crowds, and this, was, this week was no different. Uh, he, he said, always give this opportunity to all children to have them to have within themselves the Holy Spirit that will guide them in life. Do not forget to baptize your children. That's what the Pope said during his uh, weekly general audience. And in his main talk, Pope Francis really reflected on the sacrament of baptism as, quote, the foundation of Christian life. It is the first of the seven sacraments that we do receive, kind of initiating us into the Church. Uh, It is our first encounter, I would say, with the Lord. And so uh, Pope Francis is recommending that everybody try to remember the exact date they were baptized. I don't know about you. I have no idea what day I was baptized. Well, it's on your certificate. <laughs> I couldn't tell you where that certificate is at right now. I'm sure it's somewhere in my parents' house in safekeeping. Well, you but should get a copy I, I definitely need to do that. So uh, where, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it uh, baptize your children uh, well, at a very, very early age. I have to say, you know, I come from a big family of Catholics, but we, I do have a nephew who recently married a non-Catholic they just had a baby, and there's a big debate in our family of whether they're going to baptize this baby. And my sister and I said, well, we're going to sneak the baby out when, <laughs> <laughs> for a little stroll, and we're going to run her down to the church and have her baptized. Because, you know, if you don't have baptism, you can't get into heaven if something happens. 
Well, thank you, Michael Wasabaugh, for that report on Pope Francis. And you'll want to stay tuned for our next interview. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back to Catholics in the Capitol. Hi, this is Dan DiBiase, General Manager of WMET 1160 AM. I have an urgent announcement about WMET. We have been on the air in the greater Washington, D.C. metropolitan area since 2010. We have been leasing the station from a very generous family who purchased WMET for that purpose. The owners want to sell WMET. This is exciting news for the Guadalupe Radio Network. WMET is being offered to the Guadalupe Radio Network well below market value at $2.8 million. We need your help because we only have one year to raise the funds to secure WMET as a Catholic voice for the area. Please visit our website at www.grnonline.com for more information or call us at 877-636-1160. That is 877-636-1160 or email us at wmet at grnonline.com. That is wmet at grnonline.com. Please pray for the success of this project. Did you know causes of infertility or subfertility can be evaluated, diagnosed, and treated up to two times more effectively than IUI or IVF at a fraction of the cost? Try the alternative in NAPRO Technology Approaches, networking natural family planning and women's health, which can help discover the underlying cause of subfertility or infertility. Visit us at fertilitycare.org forward slash Maryland or adw.org forward slash NFP for in-person or distance learning options. Your cycles, your fertility, and your doctor's care in harmony with your faith. Mona Electric Group is the leader in commercial and industrial electrical contracting in the D.C. Baltimore metro area with over 700 employees and over 250 trucks on the road. Founded by Cap Mona in 1966, Mona leads the industry in electrical service, renovation construction, new construction, fire alarm system, data system, and security system solutions. And with over $10 million in charitable giving as published in the Washington Business Journal, Mona Electric Group is the responsible choice in commercial and industrial electrical contracting. Visit GetMona.com for details. That's GetMona.com. Are you praying for just the right school for your children or grandchildren? Consider Angelus Academy, an independent Catholic school for grades pre-K through grade 8 in Springfield, Virginia. For more information, go to angelusacademy.org or call 703-924-3996. Registration is underway now, and every day is an open house at Angelus Academy. Angelus Academy, where the truth of Catholic teaching takes flesh in young lives. This is Bishop Michael Burbage of the Catholic Diocese of Arlington. Tragedies in our country, especially those involving children, have become all too familiar. In the United States, between four and seven children die from abuse and neglect each day. And a report of child abuse is made every 10 seconds. April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, which reminds us of the duty to safeguard and protect all of human life. Are we observant enough in caring for those around us, whether we see a child being mistreated or seeing others being dismissed? When people cry out for help, we must respond. We must be vigilant to any warning signs that heighten our awareness and the call to action as we strive to protect all of our children and anyone in need. May we be better attentive to the world around us and protecting the most vulnerable. 
celebrating 2,000 years of truth. WMET 1160 AM, Gaithersburg, Washington, the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back, and joining me is Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, and we're going to talk a little bit about his background and some great history about the cathedral and what's happening there for the spring. So, hi, Father. How are you? Great to have you back. Thank you. So, um, doing doing pretty well. Wonderful to hear. Well, we want to know a little bit about you. You've been on our show now for six months as a weekly guest, and I think our listeners would be very interesting to know a little bit how your career started as a priest. Would you share that with us? Well, I uh, grew up uh, outside Boston in Somerville, Cambridge, and um, went to uh, Providence College, the Dominicans, and then uh, as I was in uh, had taken, taken some German. I uh, received a grant to study in Munich for a year, and that developed my background in Europe and in, and in the um, international scene. I had been an ROTC in college, so that meant then a couple of years service, in my case, in Korea, following which then I entered the uh, State Department, the Foreign Service, and while well, I hoped for an initial assignment in Northern Europe, I got assigned to South Africa, oh, to boy. Cape Town. But that turned yes. out to be a fascinating assignment. As the youngest uh, officer in the consulate, I was responsible for the liaison when Senator Robert Kennedy came. He, he was a guest of the student group that sponsored an annual day of human and academic freedom. And the speech that he delivered there, which was very powerful, is one of the two that are at his uh, grave across the river in Arlington. That must have been very exciting, and, and uh, he had a lot of energy. It, uh, it, it was um, very providential and something I appreciated very much. And actually, at that time, I thought, well, that and a few other incidents that occurred there in Cape Town, perhaps now I have accomplished you know, all that is to be accomplished in the State Department, maybe something else, is, you know, should be considered. But uh, subsequently, I went on to assignments in Hamburg, and I was in Vietnam in our interdisciplinary uh, program to assist in wow. the uh, reparations after the Tet Offensive. Came back and was in the State Department for a while as coordinator of uh, new officer training for a while. And went back to Germany and was assistant to the ambassador and came back to Washington and had another assignment. But then the State Department, uh, very, for which I'm very grateful, gave me a year sabbatical. And I went to Monthly Mary Seminary. Yes. I had talked with uh, the vocation director then <clears throat> um, and uh, in Washington. And... Um, I loved it, and so when I came back, I resigned and uh, finished the seminary, was ordained by uh, uh, later Cardinal Hickey for the Archdiocese of Washington, and have been since then in several parishes, and 
now retired um, in residence at, uh, at the cathedral and uh, continue to be delighted, you know, with this second hierarchy that I'm involved with. Oh, we're glad to have you. Uh, you told me an interesting story, and I wanted to share it with Michael and our listeners today about Pope John Paul. Could you tell that story again? Cause it, uh, oh, well, when I was in a seminary uh, in 1979, Pope John Paul made his uh, uh, initial visit to Washington and um, celebrated Mass one day at the cathedral, and the next day I was selected to be a server for his mass on the mall. And um, my responsibility was to carry what generally is referred to as the bishop's crozier, but for the pope it's called a staff. And it was a usual, very beautiful staff. And so as a result, I <laughs> can call myself the pope's chief of staff. Chief of staff. That raises eyebrows, of course. I think we have a picture of you in my book, Catholics in Washington, D.C., with you with the Pope on the uh, outside altar when he did the Mass and at right. the National Over Mall. The and uh, yes. when we were going through the book, you said, look, my picture is here. I'm right here with Pope John Paul II. Mm -hmm. It's a coincidence how things go around, come around, right? We never know what's going to happen uh, in, in anything, of course, in our lives, but uh, in many ways, as a priest, you, one gets up in the morning and then all sorts of things occur that weren't on the initial agenda, but it's right. a reminder that ultimately God's uh, will. God is, uh, is in charge. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about the history of St. Matthew's. It wasn't always a cathedral. Tell us about where it started in Washington. Well, in... 1837, Father William Matthews was pastor of St. Patrick's Church on 10th Street, which is still there, of course, beautiful church. And it was determined that uh, a new church was needed closer to the White House at the northeast corner of 15th and 8th Street. So construction began and it was dedicated in 1840. St. Matthew the Apostle was chosen as the patron but according to tradition, the selection was made to honor Father William Matthews, who had labored for many years in Washington and was responsible for the new building. And so then this meant that it was the fourth Catholic parish established in Washington. Fourth the other ones being the Holy Trinity, 1789 in Georgetown, St. Patrick's, right. 1794, and St. Peter's on, on Capitol on Hill. Hill which uh, was established in 1820. But then um, it was realized that uh, a larger church was needed, and so then construction was started on what has since become uh, St. Matthew's Cathedral. But at that time, it was not a cathedral. Um, the individual who was very responsible was the pastor at the time, Monsignor Lee, and um, the, uh, the church was built, and the, uh, uh, it took, uh, obviously, some, some time, and then the um, dedication uh, 
finally took place in 1913, although math had been celebrated for a few years already there. So they had, uh, they had the property on 15th, uh, and then they went around the corner to uh, Rhode Island, so they continued to... They, f they moved further up, and of course it was not as built up as it is now. Um, incidentally, when it was at 15th and, and 8th, um, it also served as the initial area for the um, uh, colored, then as they were referred to, the blacks, to, to meet. Mm -hmm. And they, they um, in turn, uh, then established a, uh, a setting further and further north in what became St. Paul's and then St. Augustine's Church. So, Father, do they have a, uh, a school next to or a be on the street behind uh, when they moved to Rhode Island, and did they have a convent or nuns? There was a small group of uh, Holy Cross sisters, and mm -hmm. there was a small school that was established. Uh, it's since been, been closed. Right. Um, and the, uh, the area in uh, the late... Um, late uh, 1930s, by virtue of its growth, uh, was no longer just simply an adjunct of the Baltimore Archdiocese, but it became kind of like a co-diocese. Mm -hmm. And then in 1948, it was separated entirely, uh, right. and the first uh, bishop later became uh, Cardinal O'Boyle. Okay, uh, you know, we only have about two or three minutes. Of, I want to tell our listeners about the history of John F. Kennedy at the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Mm -hmm. Right. That uh, generally is considered to be the principal secular marker. Uh, right before the altar, it marks the, the site of his funeral there after his uh, tragic assassination and before he was then uh, brought over for, for burial at Arlington Cemetery. And, um, yes, the famous pictures of uh, uh, John John saluting his father's uh, coffin as it pulled up in front of the cathedral. And I've seen many pictures. Um, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess uh, the First Lady did uh, marched from, uh, and the brothers and the family marched down from the White House. Right. And, yeah, uh, it was a very moving. Uh, moving uh, occurrence, yes. um, but unfortunately, the, uh, the lighting wasn't too good in the cathedral at that time, and of course, it was all last-minute organization. Right, it was so And at sudden. that time, the mass was in, in Latin, so, so the, the inside, the actual occurrences, and generally doesn't receive that much attention. Well, Father, we only got a couple of minutes. I want to tell everybody what's happening in the Cathedral of St. Matthews now. I mean, you've got weddings, baptisms, communions, lots of lots of uh, Catholic activities. Right. The most recent Catholic Standard, the weekly newspaper, has some wonderful pictures of the uh, Easter vigil that occurred there with Cardinal Whirl. And um, coming up, uh, we, as you indicated, there'll be quite a few weddings and uh and baptisms, and then the uh, uh, adult confirmations on the Feast of Pentecost. Well, I encourage everyone to go down to the Cathedral of St. Matthews, attend Mass, look at all the history. There's some pamphlets there at the back of the church if you want to learn about all the fascinating things that have been happening. And I think Father usually does either the 8 o'clock, the morning Mass, or the 5.30, right? 
That's correct. Uh, during during the week, and stop and for in those and early rises, sometimes <laughs> the seven o'clock Sunday morning. Wonderful. Well, it's always great to see you, Father Jack, and um, good luck with all your things and activities that you're doing this week, and enjoy yourself. Thank you very much, and you too. Okay. Thank you, Father. We'll be right back with Catholics in the Capital. Stay tuned. At 1160 AM WMET, one of the things that we love to do is evangelize through the airwaves. If you want to help us evangelize through the airwaves by evangelizing on the roadways with an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker, it's very easy. All you have to do is give us a call or email us at WMET at GRNonline.com and we'll send you out an 1160 AM WMET bumper sticker. Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Paschal Lamb. Paschal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Paschal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at pascallamb.com. Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate, or to follow our projects, please find us on facebook.com backslash S-A-Mona Foundation. That's facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation. Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital, and now we have our special weekly guests. Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews, the Apostle. Hi, Father. How are you today? Welcome. I'm fine, thank you, as spring finally seems to be coming to Washington. Yes, I, I'm, the cherry blossoms are still, uh, you know, another few days, right? They're still right. Uh, blooming, and I see all the daffodils and beautiful flowers everywhere outside the church, too. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. so what kind of saint do we have for, to tell us about this week? Well, this is sort of an unusual one in a way. Um, Next Thursday, April 19th, we celebrate the feast of Pope St. Leo IX. Pope St. Leo IX is the fifth Pope Leo to be canonized of an illustrious listing of saints with that name. And the first one, of course, was Leo the Great. And although not canonized, the last pope so named, Leo XIII, stands out in light of his social policies, notably his encyclical, Rerum Novarum, which Pope John XXIII called the Charter of Catholic Social Doctrine. Now, Leo IX, who reigned from 1049 to 1054, came from German nobility. And at that time, the emperor was the key individual in appointing popes. 
but he only accepted the emperor's nomination to the papacy on condition that it would be subsequently approved by the clergy and laity of Rome, which did occur by acclamation. Leo sought to reform the church, gathering a kitchen cabinet of distinguished persons in its reorganization, much like Pope Francis has done. He traveled so extensively throughout Europe to promote the reforms that he was called the Apostolic Pilgrim. And likewise, he held a dozen synods aimed at the same goal. Unfortunately, Leo's final years were marred by his involvement in a military campaign against the Norman invaders in southern Italy, which resulted in his being held prisoner for several months. Also, this was a period marked by the onset of the schism between the Christian churches of the East and West, considered to begin in earnest in 1054, shortly after his death. It is believed that dozens of cures were attributed to his intercession in the following decades. Now, Leo IX is important to me in that his feast day is also my birthday, April 19th. In some areas, in fact, the name of the saint whose feast is one's birthday is given to the newborn child. He likewise is important as the split between the Church of Rome and the Orthodox Church is one that I pray can be overcome, as Pope Francis and Orthodox Patriarch Bartholomew are seeking to do, aiming notably at agreement on the date of Easter. This year, for example, the most important feast of Christianity is observed a week apart. A scandal, I think considering the Lord's Last Supper prayer for unity, for which we all should pray. Well, Father, that's very interesting about Pope Leo the Ninth. And um, so when you, you were saying that this is his, his feast day falls on your birthday, April 19th, so how come your mother didn't call you Father Leo Hurley instead of Father Jack Hurley? Well, there's a story there. She actually wanted to name me after her father, whose name was Florence. Mm -hmm. And that is, in Ireland, a name that has uh, male as well as female connotations. But then she was counseled that this would probably get me into a lot of trouble getting growing up, so instead I was named after my father. Wow. So um, I am a junior. <laughs> I see. I see. So if we, if someone wanted to pray to Pope Leo the Ninth, is he known? You said he's been known for very various cures. Anything in particular? I think for continued reform and a successful reorganization of the Church that Pope Francis is seeking to do, as well as hopefully, maybe agreement on one day, a united celebration of Easter. And where can we find some information about him? In the Books of Saints or? Yes, mm-hmm. that would probably be a, a, you know, a key area, but also too for one that is examining the efforts to reform the church, his name would certainly stand out. And, and Leo, um, like you said also, Pope Leo Thirteenth, who I remember very well over the turn of the century, he did so many things for the United States and for the churches, correct? 
That's certainly true. And in fact, he was the uh, uh, the Pope at the time of the, uh, the building of St. Matthew's Church. I see. Well, he's more known. And Father, quickly, um, do you have your Bible study tomorrow on Saturday? What time is that at the Cathedral of St. Matthew's? Um, it, that will be Saturday morning yes. at uh, 1030. And we're doing with the Book of Wisdom. Wonderful. Which is um, considered to be one of the great literary works in uh, Scripture. Well, catch that if you can get down to the Cathedral of St. Matthews and join uh, Father Jack Hurley's Bible series. And so great to see you. I hope you have a beautiful weekend, Father. Thank you, and you too. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back with Catholics in the Capitol. Don't move that dial. Stay tuned. Catholics in the Capitol will be right back on 1160 AM WMET right after this. Established in 1992, the Susan Andrew Mona Foundation was founded on the element of a mother's love for her son. 26 years later, this local nonprofit operates on nothing less and carries on the tradition of neighbors helping neighbors. For more information, to donate or to follow our projects, please find us on facebook.com backslash S.A. Mona Foundation. That's facebook.com backslash S-A-M-O-N-A Foundation. Well, welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. And now we have the fun part of the show. We're going to be with Dan DeBazi, and we're going to talk about what to do in Washington, D.C. What's happening, Dan? Nice to see you. Great to see you, Christina. How are you? I'm doing well. So how are you enjoying this 80-degree weather? I uh, enjoy it very much. I think uh, everyone was waiting for spring to come around. Uh, the great thing about uh, D.C. is that when the weather's nice, there's plenty to do outside. Very true. People get their shorts and their sneakers on, and they're going to head out and be walking around. Was, I think we still have the cherry blossoms going on, right? Yes, cherry blossoms. So we'll be talking about some events. This is going to kind of wrap up uh, the Cherry Blossom Festival this weekend. Well, first, I just before we go into that, I'd like to bring up that, um, you know, the great event that Cardinal World had with Monsignor John Ensler last Saturday night at the Marriott um, Hotel. What an event they had there with the Governor Hogan and um, uh, the mayor, Mayor Bowser, Muriel Bowser was there and they raised a lot of money. Did you hear about that? Yes. So, yeah, Catholic Charities for the Archdiocese of Washington raised uh, looks like a little over $2 million at the gala. So um, very, uh, you know, big amount. And, you know, they need it because they have, you know, 57 different programs in this archdiocese, and they serve a lot of people in the community. So I'm, I'm sure it doesn't even come close to their overall budget, but a uh, great amount they raise. That's wonderful. Well, congratulations, and keep those checks coming to the Archdiocese of Washington. They need it for the schools and the homeless and and all of their programs, like you said. Yes, they need the support, so please support them if you can. So anyway, going back to the festivities for the cherry blossoms, is this the last weekend, do you think? Uh, yes, so this would be the, the weekend to wrap up everything. Um, so if you wanted to go and see all the events uh, potentially that are happening this weekend, you can go to nationalcherryblossomfestival.org, um, and they will list all the events. Um, probably the, the biggest event that's culminating this weekend is the... 
National Cherry Blossom Festival Parade, which is happening tomorrow, this Saturday. It's from 10 a.m. to noon. Um, and it will take place on Constitution Avenue from uh, 7th to 17th Street, so 10 blocks. Um, there will be grandstand seating, and I think the cost for that is $20, but if you're standing, obviously it's free. Um, and it's it's probably the largest uh, you know parade spectacle in D.C. all year round. Um, and they'll have, uh, I think the grand marshal for this is Carla Hall. I don't know if people are familiar with her from ABC's The Chew. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's a chef. I know they're going to have a lot of different uh, performers, uh, nationally renowned, but I think the, the biggest thing is they have, you know, the the big uh, helium balloons uh, in the parade uh, for kids, and they're going to have a lot of marching bands, um, elaborate floats, uh, celebrity entertainers. It's going to be a huge spectacle. Uh, this kind of, you know, kind of, I think, wraps up the, the Cherry Blossom Festival for this year. And I see they're going to have some people from The Voice. Yes, some people from The Voice. I think there's, there's uh, Billy Gil- Gilman and then Sarah Potenza. Oh, that's uh, exciting. From The Voice, and I think country singer Ty Herndon. Um, so for a lot of people. Who, who like that different types of music, you got a lot of options to choose from, and I know there's several other entertainers going to be there. Well, we certainly have the weather for it. Thank goodness. Yes, and uh, hopefully the, the rain will stay off uh, for tomorrow, but uh, I think it's going to be a great weather and great opportunity for people to get out and just enjoy uh, D.C. with the, the cherry blossoms. Well, let's talk about if you can't get to the parade and you're coming maybe the other direction from, let's say, um, Virginia, you may want to go down to the Tidal Basin, right? Yes, you may want to uh, try that uh, instead. Uh, if you can't get out here, uh, you know, uh, near the National Mall, that's another uh, option for you for this weekend. Probably best to take the subway if you so parking and all of that. From my personal experience, yes, the Metro it'll, it'll be more packed than you you expect on the weekends, but it probably is the best way with parking and with all the people in town. You know, keep in mind statistics show that on average. Uh, 1.5 million people come to D.C. just for uh, the cherry blossoms this time of year and the festivals and festivities. So that's a lot of people coming in in this short period of time. So how many trees do they have down there? Do you know? I don't know the exact number. Now, I know an uh, interesting fact that um, what started this all off was in 1912. Uh, the city of Tokyo, as a gesture of friendship to the U.S., donate uh, gave us 3,000 cherry trees. Now, of those three, amazing. Of those 3,000, only 150 are still, uh, I guess, thriving today. Yeah. Um, I think uh, so. That's an interesting fact. Uh, a lot of people might not know, but I wasn't even aware of that fact that that many trees were given to us, and only 150 of that initial bat- 3,000 still survive today. So, another thing you could do. Uh, that same day, it, this is from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., this is on Pennsylvania Avenue between 3rd and 7th Street, is the Japanese Street Festival, obviously in coordination with, you know, the gift that Japan gave to us for these trees. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a great opportunity because they're going to have all kind of performances, I think four different stages, all kind of performances, uh, art vendors, and food. So that's another thing if uh, if you want to go a little bit later in the day. Uh, for the cherry so blossoms. So if you want to get something to eat, they're going to have the food booths? Yes, if, food booths. And this is actually the uh, single largest celebration of Japanese culture in the U.S. Uh, so it will be the Japanese Street Festival. And they also have, I think, at the Kennedy Center that show Shin Yun, I believe, that's been advertised yes, as well. I, I, that's a I Japanese believe, Yes, I believe so. Show. Yes. So yes. that's another option also for people this right. weekend. And if you don't want to go near the um, cherry blossoms, how about going to the zoo? What's going on there? Well, the zoo, uh, this Sunday, the the National Symphony Orchestra is going to be giving two free uh, performances there. They'll be held at 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. 
Um, now that the, it's free, but I think you have to go there and get a ticket to to go to the actual performances. So, and I know they're calling for a good possibility of rain that day, so I would check the weather beforehand. Um, but it's a great opportunity to see, you know, National Zoo outside. You know, I can't beat the National Orchestra at the National Zoo. What's a little rain if it's 80 degrees? We'll take that. We'll take that. Yeah, no, just bring the umbrella, the ponchos, and enjoy. It. And then also, you know, with people with children, they're going to actually have following those performances is uh, musical instrument petting zoos at 2 p.m. and 4 p.m. So that's uh, for children. Well, wonderful. Thank you, Dan. Dan, the radio man. Great to see you again and enjoy your weekend. You too, Christine. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back to Catholics in the Capitol. fighting the crowds, isn't it so much easier to hop online and do your shopping in the comfort of your own home? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you shop online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give a little extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network. The Archdiocese of Washington's Office for Family Life invites you to a day of hope and healing for those struggling with infertility or who have suffered a miscarriage. On Saturday, April 14th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at St. Joseph's Parish in Beltsville, Maryland, there will be a Holy Mass, panels with Q&A, praise and worship, adoration, and confessions. There will also be simultaneous Spanish translation available. This event is free. To register or for more information, call 301-853-4499 or email visiblesign at adw.org. Hey Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job, you're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children, and if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to WMET 1160AM, or simply log online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Arlington, Good Shepherd Catholic Church, Opportunity Neighborhood in Mount Vernon, and Bridges to Independence are hosting a Community Job Resource Fair. If you are unemployed or underemployed, go to the Community Job and Resource Fair on Saturday, April 28th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Numerous community service agencies will be there to provide resources. To register for the event, email Margot Chavez at jobfairs at ccda.net. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. Boldly proclaiming the truths of our Catholic faith. WMET, 1160 AM, Gaithersburg, Washington. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
Welcome back to Catholics in the Capital. I am Christina Cox. And here in the studio with me today is Monika Jablonska, who wrote a wonderful book called Wind from Heaven. John Paul II, the Pope, I mean the poet, excuse me, who became Pope. Not only is she an author, but also an entrepreneur, a lawyer, a consultant, a business executive. She also works on special projects called Nurture the World to Feed Hungry Children Around the World. She collaborates with the United Nations and Vatican officials and currently on a book tour. Welcome, Monica, to the studio today. How are you? Good morning, Christina. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really inspired about your book, and, and I've been passing it out to everyone. What, what really made you want to write this uh, beautiful story about Pope John Paul? Uh, thank you so much for asking. Um, life, people, travels, family, finally meeting him. I believe that uh, we are all destined for certain projects in life. I believe that every person has his own path and mission to accomplish. Um, I am honored that I can write and speak about St. John Paul II. Um, it's a huge privilege and honor for me. And absolutely, and he's a saint now, which he really deserves. And I'm sure the Polish people are very proud of having you know, such a Catholic leader that made so much of a difference in the world. Thank you. And even today. So what was the research and the writing process like for this book? Uh, as a student of law and literature, I went to Rome to research in Italian for my uh, master thesis about the literature of uh, the Polish Pope. Uh, I spent some time in Italy searching for books and articles, meeting people, and conducting interviews. Um, it was a long process and a journey for me to write and publish Wind from Heaven. Uh, currently, uh, I am working on a second book, also related to John Paul II. Well, there's a lot of material out there. Oh, yes, absolutely. So who was John Paul II, the son of Poland? Tell us more about him. Karol Wojtyła was the son of his father. His mom died early on. Uh, an actor of Rhapsody Theater, a student of Polish literature, a professor, a philosopher, a priest, a thinker, and a pope, but also a leader whose religious convictions added a new and much needed moral dimensions to world politics and changed the course of history. Yes, well, he, he's certainly uh, one of my favorites. I had the opportunity of meeting Pope John Paul four times, and um, he's affected so many people and changed so many lives. I don't think I would have started the uh, National Museum of Catholic Art and Library if it wasn't for Pope John Paul's two's blessing. So I can see that he's affected your life in many ways. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, briefly explain the friendship he had with Ronald Reagan. It was an unusual meeting of uh, two powerful minds and souls, John Paul II as the spiritual leader of Catholic Church, and the other, uh, President Ronald Reagan, the political leader of the free world that brought significant change into the world. The history shows that God uh, had saved them for a, a special mission, a special role in the divine plan of life. They both believed that communism was a moral evil offense to human dignity and the danger to people's freedom. Both were convinced that in the context with communism, victory was possible. Both had a sense of drama of late 20th century history and both were confident 
than the spoken word of truth could cut through the aesthetic of communism lies. And finally, they were both men of the theater. Uh, theater, as you know, has the potential to uh, transcendent uh, the art of the world and the gesture and become the art of the world. So both men recognize this instinctively in their own way. They use the power of the world to confront evil. And it was a totalitarian system that denied the existence of God and thrived only where human dignity was violated. Wow. Well, you know what? I see on, on your book that Michael Reagan, the son of President Reagan, wrote a be beautiful quote. Let me read it to everyone. In Wind from Heaven, Monika Jablonska helps us discover the making of this extraordinary poet, priest, and saint who unequivocal moral clarity and courage my father greatly admired and whose conviction that evil must be defeated, not accommodated, he always shared. Tell us about Michael. What is he like? He helped you with the book? Uh, we had a couple of discussions about my project, and also I asked him to join this project. And as you just read, uh, amazing blurb note um, about my book. I was very honored, and I really thank you to Michael Reagan and to some other people who really supported this project. It means a lot to me. I, I hope that he will also join the second project and the third one, so we will tell more about President Ronald Reagan and John Baldy II, and also Michael, because he has a lot uh, to talk about um, also. Uh, his father and uh, John Paul II. And will you include a lot of um, details about how they broke down the Berlin Wall? Bringing Christianity? Let's see, let's see, let's see. I can't tell. Oh, you can't tell, tell us because too that's in the works. Okay. <laughs> well, we all know that John Paul II was an author of poems and drama books. Tell us about the poet. My book. Uh, shows a man who saw literature and culture as driving forces of redemption in the world. His sense of drama and poetry meant that there was purpose and meaning to the world. And it can be argued that everything else in John Paul II's mission, philosophy, uh, catechesis, and spirituality flowed from his essential appreciations of literature and culture. He was devoted to the truth of Christian gospel, as you know, and it was found in Christian culture, particularly in the history and the Catholic culture of his beloved Poland. Yes. Well, also, uh, Pope John Paul, was um, he, he also made many saints uh, among my favorite, of course, Mother Teresa, right. who he greatly admired, po uh, Padre Pio, was early on a friend of his before he became pope, and um, many, many saints. I think he was one pope that made more saints than any other pope prior to, to uh, his, yes. his um, being uh, in his pontifical um, leadership. So tell us also, what is the message St. John Paul uh, would give us today? I mean, he was a man of humility, and um, and conviction. So tell us uh, what you um, feel the message is. I think that uh, everyone has his own way and the message, and probably there are lots of messages, different people, different messages. But I would say that one of them is 
do not be afraid to welcome Christ to accept his power. Uh, don't be afraid, which means open wide the doors for Christ uh, to his uh, saving power, open the boundaries of states, economic and political systems, uh, the vast fields of culture, civilizations and development. Just do not be afraid and follow his mission and message. I love that phrase, and, and I have written that on a piece of paper on my desk many times. Don't be afraid. Right. It's really associated those words with Pope John Paul. Well, tell us, um, there's going to be also something going on in the Vatican with the Polish people, or there's going to be a celebration, right? Of uh, we are planning a big celebration next year, but we will probably have a chance to discuss it uh, in the near future. Okay. <laughs> And um, do your Polish roots facilitate better understanding of John Paul II than other authors who are not Polish? Uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, to understand John Paul II is to understand the country he comes from. Being Polish gives me this privilege and honor of better understanding of Polish history and culture and literature. Being raised in the country of Polish Pope and speaking the same language um, give me this advantage over others that I can read his literature in the original and understand the hidden meaning of his work as a poet, a playwright, and the head of the Catholic Church. There is always some kind of cultural truth which is available for the heart, but... Uh, never available to be expressed by words, I guess. Very well said. Well, we only have about two minutes left. I would like to ask you what the purpose of the book is and how would you see the book being perceived and then tell us where we can get it. Thank you. Um, I hope it will um, introduce readers to a great story of Karol Wojtyła, um, who was a poet of poetry and drama, who brought into the Vatican and the world of politics and global issues, Polish history, Polish culture, Polish people and Polish literature. And finally, who guided us towards moral clarity and moral leadership that world and people call for. This book is designed and dedicated to young people, especially young people, who are not only the future of this world, but they also continue John Paul II's beautiful work. And Monica, where can we get the book? How can they reach out to, to, to buy the book? My book, uh, called Wind from Heaven, John Paul II, The Poet Who Became Pope, is available on Amazon. Wonderful. I hope you like it. <laughs> yes, we, uh, I recommend to all our listeners to go purchase the book on Amazon. I thank you so much for coming in today on Catholics in the Capital. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up our show today, and I'd like to thank Father Jack Hurley for coming in today and doing a fabulous interview. I learned a lot about him and also about the history of the Cathedral of St. Matthews. And I want to thank Monika Jablonska. And don't forget to get her book called Wind from Heaven, John Paul II, The Poet Who Became Pope. And it's available on Amazon.com. And I want to thank Mike for that fabulous report on Pope Francis and Dan Dan, the radio man, on what to do in Washington, D.C., do not forget to come down to see the cherry blossoms. It's probably going to be the last weekend. Come to the festival. They have lots of food and activities, and it's going to be great. And the weather is so beautiful. I'd like to end with a prayer to Pope Francis since we spoke about him today. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord God, Father in heaven, please bless our Holy Father Francis whom you have chosen as a shepherd of your people on earth. 
be his guiding light, his wellspring of hope, his strength and protection, and his everlasting peace and joy. Amen. And just a reminder that Father Jack has his Bible study tomorrow, the Saturday at 10 o'clock at the Cathedral of St. Matthews. And here's another uh, exciting event that's happening. That the National Museum of Catholic Art and Library has a, has, a, has a formal gala at the Embassy of Italy on Thursday, on May 10th. We have lots of, of exciting honorees that are coming. Archbishop Christophe Pierre will do an introduction. We're honoring uh, Auxiliary Bishop uh, Mario Dorsonville. That should be exciting. Secretary of Labor. Uh, Alex Acosta, and also we'll have special guests of Jim Caviezel and also Anthony uh, Andrew Hyatt from the movie Paul the Apostle. Lots going on. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more, go to our Catholics in the Capital Facebook page or email me at Christina Cox at GRN, GRN online. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and thank you for joining us on Catholics in the Capital on WMET 1160 AM. Before I go, join me in saying, God bless the Roman Catholic Church and God bless America. Now stay tuned for Dr. David Anders for Paul's Communion.